Let's go talk to our buddy Ty Dunn, founder of Go Long. You should subscribe at golongtd.com. He's also the author of The Blood and Guts, How Tight Ends Save Football, and in some cases, Pop Singer's Careers. Just kidding, just kidding. Little Taylor Swift joke. I should make him. Uh, at Ty Dunn on Twitter, Mr. Dunn, good morning. What's up, bud? What's up? How you been, man? Uh, I've been amazing. What a what a we what a couple football games. Let's um let's do the reverse of how we started the show. Let's start with the heartbreak. I'm not a Detroit Lions fan, but I think like a lot of folks who are neutral, I was rooting for him. It was such a great story. You've had some time to to sleep on it. You've had some time to evaluate it. What do you make of that second half and the in-game decision making, the field goals in particular by Dan Campbell and his staff? Right. I mean, in, in, in hindsight, all of us here on Monday morning, we can pick everything apart. I, I guess per, it's all personal opinion and how you assess risk in your own life. Like if it was myself, you know, the first one, go for it. Go for the jugular. Go for 3110. You've got the knife in your hand. Stick it in their chest. Game over with a touchdown that drive. I, I get it. The second one, I, I think he kicked that field goal because – Hell, even if San Francisco comes down and scores a touchdown, you have time to maybe go down and get a touchdown with a two-point play in your back pocket to end it there. So that was a little bit of a stretch. And then the, the, the end of the game, choosing to run the ball, wasting the timeout, egregious, obviously. But none of us should be surprised, right? Like, this is how Dan Campbell woke the Detroit Lions up from the dead. I mean, this is we're, – we're talking about one of the worst teams in all of professional sports. For all of our lifetime and all of our father's lifetime and probably our grandfather's lifetime, I mean, this has been an abomination of a franchise. And I've spent a lot of time around that team. They, it's you got to look beyond the draft or free agency player acquisition for how they got to this point. I mean, they they got to this point because of genuine belief. Dan Campbell believes in his players. The players know that he believes in them. That that just feeling more than anything. Is, is how they got to this game. So he's not going to change. Like, he's not going to do anything differently. I think there's a stat out there that they were – it was somebody at CBS, I believe, that um, kind of pieced this together that in fourth and three or shorter, there were, what, like 17 for 20 up to this point. So, you know, the numbers tell you that you're successful in this situation. I, I get it. I, I really do. I know he's getting killed today, and it's hard to even argue with some of the points being made. Uh, but that they got to this point for a reason. And give give me this kind of implosion going down swinging versus, you know, uh, a Mike McCarthy, Green Bay Packer 2014, uh, kicking field goals at the one-yard line and running Andy Lacey into a brick wall three times, opening the floodgates there. G- give me this. If you're going to pick an implosion, at least you're going down playing the way you played all year. We are tied down. We are on the exact same page on, on everything you just said. I I would have kicked the second field goal too, but I'm not going to second guess the guy who, as you said, resurrected that organization. I just, I just, I feel for Detroit and for every heartbreak, right? There's credit. Falcons heartbreak is real. Tom Brady also was a big part of what happened. I, I know it's a little different situation, but how do you evaluate Brock Purdy and being down 24 seven and how much credit you offer him for that comeback and what, if any, uh, in, in whatever way your view of him or our view of him should should shift from that second half? Uh, God, I mean, the takes are going to be strong these two weeks, aren't they, on Brock Purdy? It, it was going to be strong one way or the other. I have a hard time getting past the fact that as he even hope 
bomb just bounces off of a defender's face mask into Brandon Ayuk's diving arms. I mean, that's like that, that, that was the play of the game. I mean, it should have been picked off. It wasn't. we got to live in reality, right? I mean, it was a completed pass. But I guess I, I don't think he's a poor quarterback, but I don't think he's an excellent – he's somewhere in between, surrounded by a lot of really good players, and that could be enough to win a Super Bowl. And this roster – is loaded and he knows where to go with the football for the most part. Uh, I do think that Steve Spagnuolo's defense little different than what you got in Detroit. I yeah. mean, <laughs> this is a uh, a cornerback in in uh, Vildor, right? I think he was on four different practice squads. You know, he he's activated the first week of December, and he's kind of a a godsend for Detroit. I mean, they've tried everything in the secondary; nothing's working. He's your player on an island with Brandon Ayuk. Legarius needs a different beast. That coordinator's a different beast. They're, it's going to be tough, tough sledding for Brock Purdy um, in this Super Bowl. And, and look, he's, he deserves credit for the win. I mean, they were down and out. You've got T.J. Gardner-Johnson, like, waving goodbye to the fans. I mean, the fact that the opposing quarterback brought the team back, you, you cannot take that away from him, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to. I don't. I have no scorching hot Brock Purdy uh, for MVP takes for you here. I got it tied down on the show. Um, I uh, I am not. I am not shy about criticizing athletes. I think that's part of the job, and I know that it's not easy to be Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes or Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan or insert whatever all time great is at that level in these these pressure pack moments. But the fact is that some guys just don't play as well when when it's in front of them, and not everybody can win. And for me, at least, Lamar Jackson's performance in this game was going to be really critical to how I view him and the confidence I have. doesn't mean he can't change it or prove me wrong. The confidence I have in him going forward in, in postseason games. What do you make of his performance? And just what do you make of sort of Lamar Jackson and the pantheon of quarterbacks in the NFL when you try to size up not just are you good enough, but once you're good enough, are you good enough to actually win these games? Right. I mean, he's he's Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, you know, Alonzo Mourning as a Hornet fan, I'll throw him in. You know, pick your mid-90s basketball player who was really, really good caught in Michael Jordan's world. I mean, that's Lamar Jackson. He's, you, you saw the difference between the two quarterbacks right, right before your eyes. I mean, one quarterback um, started hot, made some unbelievable plays. He's fusing all these different sports together into his own interpretation of the quarterback position. Man, Patrick Mahomes is fun to watch. But even after that, early surge, and then it got a lot harder for him against Mike McDonald's defense. Mahomes just didn't screw up like Lamar Jackson did. Like, he just was kind of that that tennis player content volleying back and forth and back and forth, letting Lamar just get frustrated and, and, and try to slam it into the fence. I mean, that's what happened. I mean, Lamar Jackson just looked like a, a flustered, frustrated, out-of-sorts quarterback that um, the moment was too big for him. Uh, that you know, throwing into triple coverage to Isaiah Likely, just bizarre. But even beyond that, nothing was in rhythm with the passing game. Uh, nothing was different, and I thought that was maybe the most frustrating um, subplot to the to Championship Sunday. We thought it was going to be different. We thought that Todd Munkin had modernized this passing game um, away from everything that Greg Roman built. You've got Jay Flowers. I mean, this is the, the great addition that's going to help you modernize it and has an all-time meltdown from the taunting to the fumble to, you know, hurting his hand on the sideline. I mean, that's, uh, that's a triple whammy there. Uh, it, it was bad. I mean, that, that's about as bad as it gets for a league MVP in that spot. And I, I think if you cut to the chase, man, it's 
it's a Patrick Mahomes world, and everybody else is just living in it. Uh, Ty, as as amazing as these two games were, I want to just take a minute, and you hit on this, to just talk about Kansas City's defense, their defense in the second half, what Spags has done with this team. How good is this Chiefs defense compared to other Chiefs defenses, and how good is this Chiefs defense relative to those that have been successful in Super Bowls the last few years? Man, it is fun to watch. I think that's – it was just so great to see a game between two of the best quarterbacks still being kind of decided by the defenses, and Dagnola's central to everything. This is the best Chiefs defense that we've seen in the in the Mahomes era, for, for sure. I mean, what, you go, probably go back to the 90s to find a, a defense this good. They just um, – they, they find answers throughout the course of the game. You can just kind of see Spags' mind working where he, he's thinking two, three steps ahead. He's got guys in coverage aligned in a way that's going to take away exactly what you want to do. He's, he's just moving that, the chess pieces all over the board to his favor. It's, it's unbelievable. You know, this is a, a guy you know, you know he's going to blitz, right? But it's, it's, it's more complicated than that because D'Amico Ryans and the Texans, you know, they, they blitzed Lamar a ton, and Lamar had all the answers. But I think it was because, you know, that was kind of um, out, out of – the norm for, for that Texans defense. They, they hadn't blitzed a lot throughout the season. So, you know, you're sending bodies at the quarterback, and he knows where to go with the ball. Where the Chiefs, they time up their blitzes so perfectly. You know, they, they're listening to the cadence. They're, they're not showing you exactly what they're going to do until the last split second, until it's too late, until you can't even see it. I mean, that's coaching. That, that's just the sign of a great coordinator knowing exactly how to move his players all over the board. And, and then you look at a guy like Chris Jones and how they've managed him. If you're asking Chris Jones to stop the run consistently, probably not going to do it, right? What do you have, like seven or eight tackles through the first three quarters of the games of the regular season? Um, not his forte, but who cares? Who cares? He's going to come out for a play here and there. He's going to get a blow, and then you're going to use him when you absolutely need him, and he's going to make the play that decides the game. He did it against Joe Burrow and the Bengals last year. He did it against Josh Allen, driving Deion Dawkins back into the quarterback in the divisional round. Uh, he is an absolute difference maker on the D-line. And how they've managed him and kind of found a way to get the best out of him says a lot about coaches. All right, Ty Don, let's do this. Uh, the way too early Super Bowl prediction. But not that early since we know who's playing at least. I know you got some time to change your mind, to size it up, to give different people answers. But for the moment, what does your instinct and, and gut tell you about this game in a few weeks? Oh, it's it's the Chiefs. You know, I, I think Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Steve Spagnuolo—they're gonna they're gonna find the answers in this game. And hey, the, the 49ers were the number one seed for a reason. I, I I get it, but you know, I I guess take the prediction for what it's worth because I picked Green Bay to to, pick, to beat San Francisco, and then. Uh, Detroit to do the same. The only, the only two playoff games I missed, but uh, I just I don't know. It, it just seems like a very um, vulnerable team, and, and you saw it in both of those games. Now, both of those NFC North teams kind of blew it in a way I can't see Kansas City. You just can't see Mahomes making the mistake that Jordan Love did, and, and you can't see Andy Reid maybe managing the game the way Dan Campbell did. They're too experienced. They got the pelts on the wall, all that stuff, so yeah, I think that Patrick Mahomes wins his third ring, and we're we're not even halfway through all the rings he's going to get. Yeah, I was going to, and you just answered it, but I'm going to ask you anyway. There's a lot of factors that go into this. Do you have a sense of the of of the 
the fewest rings that he could win if other things go his way and still be comfortable in saying he's the best of all time? Like, does he have to get to seven for you, or is it a different, is the measurement approach versus Brady more complicated than that? Yeah, that's probably that simple for me, right? I mean, that's kind of how we do it, and he's got the MVPs, he's got the numbers to go with everything. That's what's scary, though. It's like, this was the year to get the Chiefs. Like, if you're the Bills with Josh Allen, if you're the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, I mean, if you're the 49ers right now, I mean, this this was supposed to be the year that you got Mahomes and Andy Reid because, I mean, this offense, we, we all saw it through stretches this regular season. It, it, it was out of sorts. You've got Kadarius Toney lining up offsides. You've got Marquez Valdez-Scanlon dropping the ball deep. You've got Mahomes getting into it with the officials. I mean, he... I'd like to say that Mahomes and Kelsey were just playing possum all year, but, I mean, they, they were ticked. I mean, there were moments through the season. They're, they're clearly trying to find answers, and they can't find answers. And it, it just seemed like, okay, the rest of the NFL, if you let them off the hook this year, it's on you. This is the year to get the Chiefs because this coming off season, they're going to get another weapon or two or three. I mean, they're going to evolve for the better with a defense that's young and has – star power so i i know we get ahead of ourselves times like this I, I don't think we're getting ahead of ourselves by saying the chiefs are going to be winning on championship sunday many many more times to a patriots extreme very quickly this might seem off tone given the fact the chiefs are in a super bowl but you brought up the fact that this was the year to get them and, and the offense was the reason i don't think i've asked anyone about this and i should have eric b obviously is no longer the offensive coordinator and I'm not sure any of us, certainly me, were that worried when he left. Now, I'm a Bears fan, so I will not pretend that Matt Nagy being the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs was something I celebrated for Kansas City. Is there a coordinator issue there? Obviously, they're in the Super Bowl, but a year from now, or whatever improvements they want to make, is there a, is there a problem at all with, with that part of the equation? I don't know how you could suggest otherwise, right? And it's always... It's always hard to quantify. You know, we're not sitting in those offensive meetings and quarterback meetings and seeing how, um, you know, Eric Bieniemy is pushing Patrick Mahomes in the offense versus a Matt Nagy. Like, you never really know if you're not there day to day. But, I mean, the results kind of speak for themselves. And you do see it around the NFL. Look at look at the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, without their two coordinators, I mean, they're they're so bad. The Nick Sirianni was lost his job. So I, I, it didn't get to that extreme. I mean, like you said, they're in they're in the Super Bowl. They've they figured out a way to uh, to move the ball and score points when it when it matters. But I think you know the enemy's reputation is is well known. Like he's going to rub some players the wrong way because he's old school. Uh, but you you do need some of that to an extent. Any team, any offense needs needs some of that because that's how you're going to get to a good place and and find those answers that you need to find. Uh, yeah, we'll 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 see how they continue to evolve. I I'm not going to go to the extreme to say, man, it's. It's just a bad offense. I mean, I, they've got the best player in the world and the best tight end in the world. They'll, they're okay. They're okay. But de- definitely something was a little missing this year. He is the Patrick Mahomes of NFL guests. <laughs> Ty Dunn. I'm serious. You're the best. Uh, founder of Go Long. Subscribe at GoLongTD.com. Follow him on Twitter at Ty Dunn. Mr. Dunn, that was awesome. I appreciate you. Thanks for, uh, for being on on a busy Monday. Hey, man, anytime. Thank you so much for having me and all the kind words as always.